In the studios of Teeing It Up in Swampford, Jersey, this is Teeing Up Presents the Sunday Sprint for Divisional Round Weekend 2018, January 14th, Sunday. Sorry we couldn't do Saturday. Schedules got in the way. Mr. Morrow, good morning. Good morning. We've just been so used to doing it on Sundays. It, it, it felt weird doing it on a Saturday last week. Now we're back to Sunday. Exactly, and we'll be on Sunday next week, and we'll be on Sunday, uh, Super Bowl Sunday. So you texted me your your, your picks yesterday, uh, which was Falcons and Patriots, and you were wrong about the uh, Falcons, like I was. Um, yeah. I thought that the Eagles would be atrocious. I thought they'd have no offense. I thought that um, it would be a situation where nothing would... Um, that they that they could not move the ball, that they would not be able to score, and it was their defense that stepped up really and gave them a shot because of the ineffectiveness of the Atlanta offense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the offense wasn't that great. They scored 15 points. Exactly. Um, but as you said, the defense. I mean, the only touchdown the defense allowed to Matt Ryan and that offense was uh, on a short field after a turnover. Otherwise, the Falcons managed three points from their offense when having to go the length of the field. Okay, keep going, Luke. Super Bowl meltdown. Uh, the Falcons had the Super Bowl meltdown last year, and um, you know, to see, uh, or rather, for that team to even on the road lose to Nick Foles. I mean, that's got to be a tough pill to swallow for uh, the Falcons fans. But the issue they talked about all season, the new offensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator, and that offense uh, showed itself yesterday because uh, they looked pretty dreadful. And I think for me too, it was the ability to just move the ball enough. For, for Philly. I don't know if this thing can work against either your Vikings or the Saints, but it was just that ability to to move it just enough. And sometimes in the playoffs, that's all it takes, and then you can fix what's wrong, move on, and get better as you get going. And they do have the advantage of, regardless of what happens today, being the home team next week. You saw how that field, the condition of the field yesterday, and they have some big backs that they can rely on, which they did for a large part of yesterday's game. So, uh, you know, that's going to help the Eagles as well to have three different guys they can give it to in the backfield that are all pretty good, and you can try to take some of the load off of poles uh, in an outdoor Philadelphia game at the end of January. Um, we'll see what the weather is like next week. But just the fact that they're home is obviously a huge advantage no matter who they play next week. I totally agree. Here's the other thing that stands out to me, um, Luke, about this game. Atlanta's red zone inefficiencies all year finally caught up to them. Um, they gave the stat on Golf Channel, um, and it was just really stunning. As, uh, sorry, Golf Channel. They gave the stat on the radio broadcast yesterday um, about their inability to convert red zone opportunities in, into six and the, and the amount of field goals they had to take. And you look at that last sequence at the end of the game, it was totally disheveled. It sure was, and, and yeah, that was the case all year. Sarkeesian even acknowledged it this past week uh, that he needs to do a better job in the red zone, and they didn't do a better job, and I think the main reason was Julio Jones, I believe, had three touchdowns all season, uh, not just in the red zone, but for the year. Uh, I mean, that is, that just can't happen in an offense. So we saw what he did last year, and so um, I think you know it's easy to just pile on the offensive coordinator since that was the big change uh, in that offense this year, but... Um, Sarkeesian really dropped the ball, I thought, all year long, and especially yesterday. I mean, the amount of screens they were trying to run that just kept getting blown up and uh, almost like out of stubbornness, continually trying these different screen passes that got that offense nowhere and just, you know, at a certain point, throw it up to Jones. 
uh, and try to make a play like the Eagles did on the opening play of the game with Nick Foles and Torrey Smith of all people. So, um, just a, if I'm a Falcons fan, uh, you know, they got a good defense to fall back on for next year and, and things to be happy about. But uh, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow with who they lost to, the way they lost, just the way the offense reformed this whole year after what, what they did a year ago. Um, it was it was just really disappointing. And now for Philly, do you give them any kind of a, sh- a chance going forward? Yeah, I do give them a chance. Like I said, just because they're home. If they had to go to either New Orleans or Minnesota, I think the chances would be very slim. But the fact that they're home, you never know what happens when a team has to go on the road. And for both those teams, go from indoors to playing outdoor. We'll see what the weather's like. As a Vikings fan, and we'll see what happens this afternoon, but um, thinking ahead just in case, you know, I actually wanted the Falcons to win. I think the Falcons are a more dangerous team, but I'd rather play the Falcons at home than go to Philadelphia um, and take on the Eagles on the road. So I do give Philly a chance just because they're at home. We shall see how this works out going forward. Um, And now we're in a scenario um, where... Saints-Vikings, and this to me comes down to Case Keenum. We saw yesterday how effective quarterbacks and effective offenses can, can, can get it done. We'll, we'll get to the Patriots in a minute. If Case Keenum and the Vikings offense and that running game come out looking like the regular season version early on, I think you're in good shape. If they don't, I think that's when you're in real trouble. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it will come down to Keenum. I think the Saints' defense is a little bit overrated. They remind me a lot of the defense that won them the Super Bowl in 2009, where it's kind of uh, uh, bend but not break. They give up a lot of yards, but then they'll get a turnover uh, on their side of the field. Uh, this Saints team had over 20 interceptions this year. A lot of them came at home, though. It's not the same defense on the road, and the Vikings exploited that defense uh, on the road in Week 1 for you know over 400 yards. Now, it is a different defense different offense for the Vikings as well, but uh, we saw what the Panthers did last week to them as well with the amount of yards and, and points put up. So when the Saints defense isn't getting turnovers, you can have a lot of success against them and certainly move and control the football. With that said, Case Keenum only two interceptions at home this year. He, too, much better, like most players and teams in the NFL, much better at home uh, than on the road. The other interesting thing at the quarterback position, don't forget, Sam Bradford activated to the roster this weekend. He's expected, uh, depending on who you believe, to be dressed today. And so really? Could have three quarterbacks. Yeah, it depends who you, who, you, who you read online. Some people are saying that they've heard from sources that Bridgewater will be the backup. Others are saying Bradford. We'll see what happens. Maybe it's all three. Uh, but for one, you have Bradford or Bridgewater as a backup in case Keenum doesn't play well and Mike Zimmer wants to make that switch like Nick Saban. But also, too, uh, Case Keenum has been at his best under pressure all year long. So now you throw in this mix where you have him thinking, oh, they're activating Bradford. You know, I still have to go out there and perform just to, to be able to play this whole game. Those are the mind games that Coach Zimmer's been playing with them all year. It's worked. He's trying it again today. We'll see what happens. Um, we are going to skip this game for a second and come back to it. Let's just finish up Titans-Patriots. You and I both thought this would be a blowout. It ultimately was. Um, this Patriot defense is coming around at the right time. Yeah, and just in time, it looks like to lose uh, the defensive coordinator. Um, but, you know, it's, it's funny because that defense on the year allowed the fourth most yards in the league. Um, but same, similar to the Saints, you know, a lot of yards, but what matters most is the points, and, and they were towards the top ten in, in points allowed. So there's the ability there to be able to move the football on them, and then it's just finishing off the drive. Uh, they found a way to get after the quarterback late, especially yesterday. But for the Titans, you know, I think it was more so just a disappointing effort on their part 
compared to the Patriots' defense. Um, the Patriots' defense is no slouch. I think if the Steelers were to win, say, today and take on the Patriots next week, Pittsburgh should be able to move the football. It's just limiting your mistakes so that you can put together those 10, 12-play drives without a blunder that would, would stall you. Uh, the Patriots' defense can be vulnerable, especially if you are able to protect the front. I just thought for the Titans, I mean, that was just... Um, as we saw all year from them, a lot of lousy football, and I wouldn't be surprised even after what the owner said last week if they move on from Mike Malarkey this week. Um, and and uh, well, I think at this point you got to keep Malarkey because you won a playoff game, and and, and I think that's good enough, and I, and I think that'll keep um, him with a job going forward. What I think is more interesting is what happens on the offensive side because that offense, Marcus Mariota's growth has been stymied. The offense, especially the offensive line, after they, after they lost that lineman early on in the injury, was just not the same. They didn't have the depth there that they needed. Um, it's just really bad. And that's where I think you could see a change. That's the tricky part, though, about that offense is that it is Malarkey's offense. I mean, Terry Rabisky is the offensive coordinator, but that's Malarkey's, uh, what does he call it, exotic smash-mouth offense that they run there. Um, and it's it's not a good fit for Mariota, and I don't think it's a good fit for today's NFL. So um, something needs to switch. But even if you bring in a new staff on the offensive side, uh, what needs to change, first and foremost, is Malarkey being able to uh, change his ways and give up his offense and try to adapt to his team and the league today. Yeah, and um, we shall see how that plays out in the offseason. And a lot of these teams are way ahead um, in the coaching search. And if you fire an offensive coordinator now, Luke, it's a totally different scenario trying to find somebody of high quality for a team that has the pieces in place but can't get over the hump. Yeah, absolutely. I stress high quality because the Seahawks just hired Schottenheimer as their offensive coordinator. Exactly. Um, all right, Jags, Steelers. Tony Romo was really adamant last night. He thinks the Jags are the are the tougher team for the Patriots in the divisional round. But to me, this comes down to Pittsburgh. Who shows up today? If they care, Antonio Brown is active. If they're into it, they care. This is the team that we saw the last part of the season. They will win this game. If this is the team that has laid down at times, and I think Jacksonville, even with Blake Bortles, can win a 13-10 lineman trudge of a game. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. I trust the Patriots' defense uh, more than the, the Steelers' defense, and so Bortles, I think, could have more success today than if they were to win and have to go into Foxborough next week. Uh, as I said all year, I mean, if the Jaguars just had a quarterback, if they had a healthy Tony Romo, they'd be the favorite in the AFC. Uh, they got everything else, and so... Um, you know, the defense is going to have to show up like it did earlier this year. The Jaguars buried Pittsburgh, picked off Roethlisberger five times, had contemplating retirement just because he's a drama queen. Um, but the thing for the Steelers in that game, and for Todd Haley specifically, they threw it 57 times against the number one pass defense in the league. And at the time, the Jaguars had one of the worst rush defenses in the league. They since have gotten better. And they only ran it 15 times. Terrible game planning. I imagine the Steelers with a week, an extra week to prepare for this game, will come out with a better plan to attack this defense because you can't throw against them 57 times. You're just asking to be picked off a handful of times like they were uh, the first time around. The Steelers are the better team. They're at home, um, but you, you can't make those types of mistakes. And on the other side, Bortles, like he did last week with his feet, going to have to try to find a way to make some sort of plays offensively. And to me, this, this just comes down to Pittsburgh, as I said. If, if they, I think you can get him up in this game. And then Blake Bortles, because of his lack of, of, 
of uh, of ability to be multidimensional in that offense limits what they can do if they get behind early. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if the Steelers go on top um, early on, if you go up by two scores, I mean, that's big trouble for the Jaguars. You take away that run game, and, and the Jaguars are in a whole lot of trouble because Blake Bortles, especially on the road, uh, especially against uh, going up against like a quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger, he won't be able to keep up. So uh, you get an early lead, and for the Steelers, you feel a lot more comfortable. Or if you just find a way to slow down the run game like the Bills were able to do uh, last week, at least against the running backs. How do you feel, Luke? Vikings, divisional round, take me into your head. Yeah, well, like every, uh, well, just about every game, and then it's ramped up for the playoffs. But, you know, um, always looking, always nervous, expecting the worst with this team, but at the same time optimistic because of the success they've had this year, uh, the players they have, and, and then just being the home team today is a, is a huge help. But uh, I felt all along that the Saints were the biggest competition in the NFC. I think this is the toughest game. I, I think this is the Super Bowl uh or at least I should say the NFC Championship. Um, these, to me, are the two best teams in the NFC. And so, uh, you know, we wanted some help last week. We got none of it. And, and instead, we get the Saints in this matchup, um, as opposed to having to maybe worry about them next round or whatever it may be. So might as well get out of the way. It, it should be, a, a hopefully, a great game. And hopefully, for, for my sake, a, a good outcome, in my opinion. Are you happy? Are you confident? Are you feeling okay? Is your stomach okay? Is your head okay? <laughs> Yeah, all that's good. Uh, confident and at the same time, um, you know, worried. I kind of go back and forth throughout the week, uh, just waiting for this game. Uh, the thing for me with this is just, and it's similar with the Steelers, if the Vikings just play their game, they should win. I think they're the better team. I, they obviously have the better record. They have a better season. Um, if they do their thing, they should be able to beat the Saints. The problem, as we touched on already, is, is Case Keenum. If he, uh, you know, makes any sort of mistakes, the Vikings will be in trouble. If he plays like he has all year, they should be okay. You worry about kickers, as we know with the Vikings in their past and their kicker issues. If Kai Forbath in his first playoff game happens to have a slip-up, maybe that will hurt. And then the, the third thing is just any craziness that happens. When the Vikings played the Saints in 2009 in that championship game, the Saints had like 200 yards of offense. The Vikings had almost uh, uh, 600. They totally dominated that game, but they fumbled it six times. I mean, those are the things that you, you almost can't plan for. So if the Vikings come out and just shoot themselves in the foot, like almost every other playoff game, well, then there's not much you can do. But if they go out, they play their game, I think they should be okay. Um, I don't think you'll win. I think the Saints will win. I think the Saints are going to the Super Bowl. I think this is a Saints-Patriots Super Bowl. Um, I'm sorry, but I don't think it's going to be close today. I think it's going to be wow. a, a, a dominating performance by the Saints. I think this is the moment we see every quarterback in a new spot uh, get. For Case Keenum, and I think you will just get blown out on your home turf. I'm sorry. Wow. Well, and and I'm not just saying that, by the way, just uh, just because it's you. I, I I just honestly feel, Luke, that that this has been a wonderful season. But I think the Saints are riding high. They have momentum. You've been off for a week, and I and I think Case Keenum just turns it over a lot today, and that offense doesn't get back in the rhythm early enough. Well, I'll, I'll say this for the Vikings: is that. I, um, you know, a lot of people are picking the Saints nationally. Yes. Uh, the Vikings have the number one defense, but people, I don't know, realize that the talent on that side, and I think they're able to match up with the pieces that the Saints have. Xavier Rhodes will match up with Michael Thomas. He held them to 45 yards in week one. They have the linebackers to match up with the running backs, Anthony Barr 
and Eric Hendricks, who are, who are both excellent, and they held the running backs to, to uh, a very slow day in week one. Again, obviously a different Saints team now. And then you have the pass rushers up front that if you can get after Drew Brees quick enough, get the ball out of his hands, um, the rest of the team can come up to make tackles because they missed the fewest tackles uh, in the league this year. And, and offensively, you know, Pat Shermer is a, a top candidate for a lot of teams for a reason. He's done an excellent job with Keenum in that offense. And as I said earlier, the Saints – um, are vulnerable. They have the ability to give up a lot of yards, and I think Sherman will come up with uh, different ways today to, to take advantage and, and move the football for Keenum again, assuming, like you could say, for any team, as long as they, they take care of the football. Luke, it'll be an interesting day. This is probably the last time I'm going to talk to you between now and, uh, or it could be the last time I talk to you between now and, like, Wednesday. So, uh, I will either talk to you tonight or I'll talk to you Wednesday. But uh, good luck, and for your sake as a fan and as somebody who's really enthusiastic about your team, um, I am. I am. Um, I hope for the best, but I don't believe it's coming. Oh well, thank you very much. We'll see what happens. School Vikings. Enjoy your football Sunday, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>